it's described in Bhagavad Gita that lust is like fire, like it burns. And so the, the, the hotter the relationship, the more we think we're in love. <laughs> what is that song that, that the doors did long ago? Come on, baby, light my fire. You know, got to set the night on fire. Do, 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 do. Yeah, so that's the whole concept. So, you know, I, I love you. I can't do without you. This is so wonderful. You know, it's just like glue. And, but what happens? It doesn't make us happy. And then what is the next stage after lust? Anger. Attachment. No, contemplation, attachment, lust, anger. Anger is the next phase of this whole thing. Because it's not love, it's lust, you see. And you're angry because it didn't make you happy. You invested a lot. Maybe you gave your heart to it. Maybe you invested, you know, time and energy and money and, you know, your hopes for the future, you know, whatever, whatever and it all didn't work. And you're angry about that. You've been deprived of the promise. Yeah, the yeah. promise was a lie. And so now, what happens? You start seeing the faults that you overlooked completely or didn't even see before. The little things that are maybe nothing at all become big, big things. Exactly. You know? Oh, you you squeeze the toothpaste from the middle yeah, instead yeah, of the bottom. Yeah. And everything is just a, a match to the bomb. Hey everyone, welcome to the Breaking Trail podcast. This is Ruben and today we're going to talk about lust. This, uh, as described in Bhagavad Gita, as this all-devouring enemy of the world a force that pulls us into a direction that we really don't want to go but somehow we're just magically drawn by this invisible force and that force is is called lust and it's the uh, just the total opposite of love we're gonna discuss how you can know if your relationship is more of a lust or love uh, and how you can turn a relationship that is more geared towards lust into a relationship that is really based on harmony, respect and love. This is relevant whether it's family, friends uh, or your spouse. How you can live a more light and enlightening for you and others, a more enlightening life. All right just checking no but I, I don't think the thing is that we haven't really what we haven't done is um given a clear understanding and explained what what lust really is and how that's yeah. the perverted reflection of love and and love upside down we've you know in many many podcasts we've discussed or we've i i, I just checked the transcripts of different podcast episodes right now and so we've discussed it in terms of hell we've said that lust is a gateway to yeah. hell and 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 so on but i wanted to yeah just explain it a bit more talk about it a bit more in detail yeah i think we'll read from so, the gems of wisdom after we talk about it from bhagavad-gita because that kind of describes it 
more. Mm-hmm. I first of all wanted us to, to to look at what lust really means. And you've said it the other day. Another word that's related to lust is the word sin, which is a word that we don't like to <laughs> to use in today's society. We just reject that word. We we think that that's not popular. We shouldn't use that in in all the new age circles. It's like. Oh, there's no, there's no sin. Everything I mean, is. How weird is a society when you can't even use the word sin? I mean, how that means there's no wrong. Exactly. You know? Because sin indicates something's wrong. This is against God's will. This is, you know, not to be done. And now they've canceled that word <laughs> in the cancel culture. You know, because the the idea is there's nothing wrong. And wrong is a negative, it's a hang-up, it's, it's in the way of freedom, it's in the way of all this junk that people think will make them happy. So, yeah, just like they're just canceling word after word after word. You know, you can't say anything that just goes against their agenda to be hedonistic to the end. I mean, I don't know if we're recording or not, but if we're not, I mean, we could use some examples. We won't because then, you know, it'll be a sin if we do. <laughs> Can't say that. But it's, it's unfortunate, but that's the world we live in right now. And it shows you who's in control. And it's not, you know... It, the, the 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 force or the power or the authority that should be in control, you know, technically speaking, externally is not. You know, if you want to call the dark forces are in control, yeah, we can say like that. Yeah, and we can we can go around in circles, which we won't do, which in in discussing who is in really in control. But if you go back to the root, who is in control. With the force that controls even that person that you say is in control is lust. So if we understand yeah, lust, yeah, yeah. then we understand yeah. what is really influencing us. Like what's the cause of the causes that are influencing us? Right. That's right. the idea. So, yeah, I guess our topic today will be lust and love. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, we like to keep everything, you know, based on this authority, not just our opinions, because everybody's got an opinion, so that doesn't get us anywhere. You can have a counter-argument that's just as strong from another person's opinion. So we like to use the Vedic scriptures as our authority, and, you know, you can accept them or not, but that's a time-honored eternal system of truth that's been handed down since time immemorable, really. And so Bhagavad Gita, as we have, you know, described on various occasions, is the main Vedic scripture that we refer to in our process of bhakti yoga, right? And... uh, Again, I mean, you know, people don't like the whole concept of Bhagavad Gita because it's it's the supreme person, the supreme Lord, speaking to his great friend and disciple Arjuna. 
you know, the Lord was on the planet 5,000 years ago. And Bhagavad Gita is a conversation that took place, which is described as the essence. The knowledge contained in Bhagavad Gita is the essence of all the Vedic scriptures in one condensed place. So anyway, that's what we're, we're speaking about or from. And there is a discussion about lust there. And so that's where we're going to base our, our you know, authority, our, our information. And yeah. So <laughs> and, <laughs> just to make uh, that clear. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to start, maybe I can read. I'm just going to read something from from Shaitanya Charitamrita, and then we can discuss this this topic of, mm-hmm. of lust in Bhagavad Gita. Because in uh, yeah in Adi Lila Shaitanya Charitamrita Adi Lila four one seventy, there is a quote that therefore lust and love are quite different. Lust is like dense darkness, but love is like the bright sun. So. Yeah. That's what I said, the, the dark forces, lust, <laughs> and the light. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear a lot, especially in New Age circles, Vedic circles, or yoga circles, I mean, etc., about enlightenment. You know, like yeah. that yeah, means yeah. what? It means in the light of knowledge. You know, when the light's on, you can see clearly. When you're in the dark... You don't see clearly, and you make many mistakes, and you you see things that aren't really as they truly are. Anyway, that, that's another whole area we won't go there. So, what does Bhagavad Gita say about lust? Mm. Bhagavad Gita describes it very clearly. From contemplation of the objects of the senses, one develops attachment. Now, this is what is done day in and day out, right? Contemplate some object of the senses. It could be, you know, a new pair of hiking shoes, or it could be, (laughs) you know, a new sleeping bag, or it could be, and this is, you know, the, the strong one, a beautiful lady that you just saw, you know, or a handsome guy. Or somebody you think will fulfill your need for love. So anyway, you contemplate the object and you start getting attached. You, you develop attachment. You know, and it can be any object of the senses. Something, the eyes, nose, ears, <clears throat> tongue, whatever. Genital, etc. Okay, so from attachment comes lust. See, there's a sequence of events. It doesn't just appear out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So, contemplating the object of the senses brings attachment. Okay, now I'm attached to the object. But a lot of it's just mental attachment, you know. I haven't even maybe come in contact with it at all physically, but I'm thinking about it and I'm attached to it. So, that's an attachment of the idea of 
possessing it, owning it, enjoying it. I, I was just going to say that's exactly that. That's why you're attached to it, right? Because you're thinking that this is going to give you pleasure, and so you're yeah. <laughs> you're you're putting your hope for pleasure in that thing. Yeah, and then from attachment comes lust. Okay, now attachments it's strong, but it's not so strong. You know, it's like yeah, I'd like to have that, but then. When it comes to lust, now it's going to produce action. Action is going to take place. I'm going to get it. You know, I'm, I'm, I must have it. It's not like I'd like to have it. I must have mm. it. I will get it. And then we do whatever is necessary to get it. And so we do. Okay, let's say we get that relationship. You know, we do whatever it has to be. It takes, you know, we, just, we make it happen. And, and it works. And okay, we've got the relationship. Now, what is this relationship based on? The idea that this is going to satisfy me. This is going to make me happy. This is going to fill the void in my life. This is going to make it so this is all I need. Or whatever. I mean, however... Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's the same thing. I am the enjoyer, and this will make me happy. Because that's why you, how you got attached to that. That's the reason why you got attached to it. That's, that's the nature in which you were attached to it. That like yeah, you being that, the enjoyer and the you... That's the carrot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the carrot. That's the promise. So you get, we, we, like I say, we're going to use relationship because this is where the the most volatile, you know, example mm -hmm. lies. Yeah. So we get it. And maybe it's fine for a while, you know. And, and it's described in Bhagavad Gita that lust is like fire, like it burns. It's like, you know, it's not just, you know, okay, kind of cool, kind of all right. No, it's lust. And so the 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 hotter the relationship, the more we think, we're in love. <laughs> what is that song that, that the doors did long ago? Come on, baby, light my fire. You know, got to set the night on fire. Do, 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 do. Yeah, so that's the whole concept. So, you know, I, I love you. I can't do without you. This is so wonderful. You know, it's just like glue. And, but what happens it doesn't make us happy. It doesn't, you know, over the long term, maybe, and that can take however long it takes for the fires to cool down and for us to actually, you know, come back to the truth that it didn't make me happy. <laughs> and then what is the next stage after lust? Anger. Hmm. Attachment, no, contemplation, attachment, lust, anger. Anger is the next phase of this whole thing. So that's why domestic relationship, I mean, domestic violence is the number one crime in the world. In the world. Because it's, it's common throughout. It's not like, you know, in one place. Yeah. So domestic violence. Now you could say, well, domestic violence, does that mean in the home? You go, yeah. Isn't the home where two people love each other? Isn't yeah, that the love yeah. nest? You know, yeah. like, 
Why would there be violence there? I thought love was the opposite of that, you know. Because it's not love, it's lust, you see. And you're angry because it didn't make you happy. You invested a lot. Maybe you gave your heart to it. Maybe you invested, you know, time and energy and money and, you know, your hopes for the future, whatever, whatever. And it all didn't work. And you're angry about that. You've been deprived of the promise. The promise was a lie. And so now what happens? You start seeing the faults that you overlooked completely or didn't even see before. The little things that are maybe nothing at all become big, big things. Exactly. Oh, you you squeeze the toothpaste from the middle yeah, instead yeah. of the bottom, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, you left the toilet seat up, you know? Yeah. And I fell in, you know? I mean, just like crazy little things become big issues. Just too much salt in the soup, you know? I don't like that color dress. I don't like the way you got your hair. Uh, and it just goes, <laughs> and everything is just a, a match to the bomb. I mean, I, I can. I just so relate to that. <laughs> I, in my <laughs> pre, pre, I just last previous relationship that I had before I came to meditation and started learning about meditation and and this this lifestyle. I the person I was with, we <laughs> we went to a counselor of the relationship, and the the main thing we had to talk about was like that it frustrated frustrated her so much the way that I did various things and frustrated me the way she did certain things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we yeah. didn't understand like why that anger was there, why the frustration was there. Was just, <laughs> and what are they going to say? Like, the solution, yeah, do your dishes in this way. Like It was hard for them to, yeah. to help All us. Right. I mean, there's no real... <laughs> okay, then, you know, you get your tube of toothpaste yeah. and, you get, and each one can squeeze it how they like. <laughs> exactly. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so, so anger. Now we've come to that <clears> stage, which is... <throat> Very dark, very destructive. You know, in Bhagavad Gita, it, again, it says that, you know, uh, in one of the purports that anger pollutes the whole atmosphere. Your body, your mind, and the whole atmosphere around you. Mm. And it, certainly no one can deny that, you know. So then from anger comes, you know, bewilderment of memory. You know, I'm confused. I don't even know who I am. I don't even know what's going on here. I don't know what it's all about. And then from bewilderment of memory comes loss of intelligence. Yeah, you do crazy things. You do stupid things. Crazy things. You say things you would never say. Yeah. You know, you even coin new words that are specially designed to hurt the other people. You know, it's it's like you become very creative. <laughs> and and creating daggers and bullets that will do damage. And, you know, you break things. I mean, it's going to cost you a lot of money because you just destroyed all this stuff. And now, you know, or you go out and, you know, in a fit of rage and, and drive down the roads, you know, at, at crazy, reckless speeds and, you know, you could kill yourself, you could kill other people, you could wreck your car, and many times it happens. Yeah. You know? 
Uh, and on and on, loss of intelligence, stupid things that a sane person would never do. You become insane, you know? And then you fall down into the material pool. You just go right back into the, to the dirt, the mud, the grime, the guts of the whole thing, you know? And that's again and again repeated because that's how it is, you know? Now, also in Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna, the great disciple and student of Lord Sri Krishna, asked directly this question, what is it, my Lord, that makes it so I do things which is even against my will, as if impelled by some invisible force? And we've all been there, haven't we? Yeah. You know you shouldn't totally. do it. I mean, it's not like, I don't know, it could be a good... You know I should not do this, but you can't not do it. Yeah. And you do it anyway. And the answer from the Lord is, it is lust only, Arjuna, which is born of contact with the material mode of passion, and is later transformed into wrath and is the all-devouring sinful enemy of the world. That's the Lord speaking. This is not just some counselor. <laughs> this is the supreme absolute personality, the supreme authority on life, given the perfect answer. It is lust only, Arjuna, which is born of contact with the mode of passion, is later transformed into wrath, and is the all-devouring sinful enemy of the world. That is the real enemy, you know? An enemy is someone that is against our well-being. Yeah. They don't wish us well. Yeah. They wish us the opposite. They would like to harm us, destroy us, you know, overpower us, put us under their thumb so they can grind us down. And 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 and, and take our freedom, enslave us. Enslave us. And that's lust. Yeah. So in the Christian philosophy, there's a lot of talk about the devil. And of course, you know, they personified their concept of evil and their, their idea is a little red man with horns and you know a long tail with a spike on the end who lives in his own kingdom of hell and he's red and his kingdom is full of fire and he's got a lake of fire that he throws you into and you suffer etc and he's the one who's always making you do bad things, sinful things in their teaching. Mm -hmm. And if they do something wrong, their excuse is, the devil made me do it. Why did you do that? That was not what you should have done. You knew the devil made me do it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really lost. They've just taken th that truth why do I do things I, sh I don't even know I shouldn't do? Yeah, yeah, like Arjuna. And they've just created a, a personality that comes in and makes us do it. 
yeah. yeah. Which yeah. doesn't excuse that you're doing it. You can't say just like, oh, but it's just the devil. It wasn't it wasn't me. I mean, you let that happen. Yeah. You put yourself in right. a situation where he could manipulate you. <laughs> I'm not responsible. Yeah. I didn't do it. The devil, who is all powerful, he made me do it. See? So don't blame me. Blame the devil. <laughs> well. So anyway, that's the reality. And and again, you know, Krishna says, you know, lust is never satisfied. He describes it like this. Lust is never satisfied, but it burns like fire. So the more you try to satisfy lust, the more frustrated you become. See? Yeah. And you try and, and you do, and you can't satisfy it. Yeah. George Harrison, you know, of the Beatle fame, he, uh, you know, he had a lot of knowledge because he associated very closely with Srila Bhaktivedanta Swami, who, you know, brought all this knowledge to the West. And he therefore gained some real understanding. And he wrote a song after the Beatles, you know, he went on his own and he wrote a song in, in his album, the Dark Horse album. And one of the lines was, uh, lust is never satisfied, no, senses. He said, senses never satisfied, only swelling like the tide. See, because lust is is the motivator for the senses to try to find satisfaction. And he says the senses are never satisfied, yeah. only swelling like the tide. We must get out of this material world. See, hmm. that's the solution. And so there you go. And you can't satisfy your lust, but that's the illusion that we fall under. Oh, if I just do this, then I'll, I'll be done with it. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it really seems like that sometimes. <laughs> just yeah. oh, I want it so bad. If I yeah. just get it and enjoy it, yeah, then that'll be done. Yeah. And let's just say you do, and somehow it appears that okay, I'm done with it. It just so another object bump jumps up, and you want that, and the whole sequence repeats. Yeah. You know. And it just keeps going. There's no end to it. It's like a bottomless pit. And it's like you know, and it just drags us down and down. Yeah, and this and the same argument is in yeah. But back to another song it says in the Bhagavad Gita. Because I, I was just going to get to this point, so it's funny that you talked about it. That he said that it said that in the Manu Samrita that lust cannot be satisfied by any amount of sense enjoyment. Just as fire is never extinguished by a constant supply of fuel. So it's, if I want to, my fire here, well, it kind of go, <laughs> goes out by itself. But, but if I keep putting wood on it, it won't suddenly stop. Like my, The only way that, I, that it'll stop this fire of lust, did you say, will be if I stop putting fuel into it. Right, <laughs> the, the more right. fuel I put into it by... by trying to satisfy this this desire then yeah. you know the more now let's let's look at another little piece of this whole truth mm. the world today is is filled with violence right yeah yeah <laughs> i mean extreme now in this conflict in russia and ukraine and 
yeah. ongoing things, and other parts of the world too. That's just on the front page right now. Not the only place. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, where there's no obvious big thing happening like that, there's conflicts and so on. In the families, on the highways, there's, you know, they've even made a new word, road rage. You know, <laughs> where people are just, you know, so angry and so on the edge that somebody cuts them off a little too close and they just drive up, you know, in America, they just shoot the guy. <laughs> I remember I lived in L.A. for 10 years, and the freeways there are always frustrating. And road rage at one point became so bad that they, somebody printed a bumper sticker that said, I'm sorry, please don't shoot. <laughs> you know, like you pass a guy and cut in a little too soon, and the guy gets angry, and he just drives up and shoots you. You know, so really, I mean, that, that was happening. People were getting killed. By road rage. So, in other words, it's a tinderbox. Like, you know, any little match and it'll just explode. You know, like a dry forest, you know, and one little, you know, bolt of lightning can just start some raging forest fire. Or somebody throws a cigarette out the window and, you know, the whole thing just... (laughs) Because, you know, it's a tinderbox. It's just ready to happen. Which which is which is the same with anger. It's well, you could blame the person who throws that little match to ignite the thing, but maybe you should start looking at why am I so like? What would I have in my heart? Why do I have all this lust that makes this anger flare up like that? What, what's yeah? Isn't that yeah? And also, in relation to to this knowledge, Krishna said this is born of contact with the mode of passion. And it describes very clearly in Bhagavad Gita that passion, under the influence of the mode of passion, one is always agitated. And, and mode of passion, that means one of the modes of material nature. That we've one of the about. modes of material nature that is a psychological influence on right. us. Right. We've talked about that previously. So, if I'm always agitated, this leads to always being in anxiety. The mode of passion leads to agitation and anxiety. Our senses are always agitated. Under the influence of the mode of passion, the senses always are demanding. Enjoy this, enjoy that, do this, do that. And the mind is one of those senses. It's six senses. And the mind is is the center of all the senses. Mm -hmm. And it goes back again to contemplation of the object of the senses. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the yoga system is designed to counteract all this in a scientific way that really works. You can't, you know, get out of this influence if you don't have a way to get out of the influence. Just, you know, even knowing about it, like we're discussing right now, is not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's theoretical, and that's maybe true. if we agree <laughs> completely, it's still theoretical. Yeah. You know, I don't really have a way to to solve this problem. Yeah, 
because you like you said you had this sequence of events how you you were you know your senses were contemplating the the world and you got attached and and then you know you so so right yeah what's what's the correct way to do it then <laughs> right we don't yeah and, and i think there's something else we need to to bring in depending on how much time but we have to uh what is lust really it's yeah. the perverted reflection of love yeah. and you're gonna read you read that you know lust is like dark deep darkness yeah and love is like the shining sun yeah so what what is lust and how is it possible for it to be so powerful now in the heart of every person every living entity not just humans but all living entities there's love love is our essence that's who we are really you know when we say god is love yes that's absolutely perfectly true god is love now we are parts and parcel of god we are the same in quality but not in quantity we're tiny parts and parcels but all the qualities are there so that quality that makes the statement god is love true is also true for us we are also love but because of our minute size and misuse of our independence we have come into the material world with the perverted understanding that I'm the enjoyer. See, this is where the root is, because I'm not really the enjoyer. The Supreme Lord is the enjoyer. And my enjoyment, which is necessary for me to have a full life, is achieved by my serving the enjoyment of the Supreme Lord. And therefore, I receive full satisfaction. Mm. Is that too complicated? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I mean, it's, it's just how it is. I am not the enjoyer. I am the enjoyed. This is my eternal position. I am to be enjoyed by the Supreme Lord, but not exploited. No. See, no. this is... This is oh, the way the mind will always say, oh, well, I'm just to be enjoyed. And, and we put a material context to it, and it becomes exploited. And dominated. I want to enjoy you and dominate you and control you. No, because the enjoyment in the relationship of purity between the soul and the supreme soul is the enjoyment of the loving exchange. It's the love that's the enjoyment. That's the only enjoyment. There is no other enjoyment outside of love, see? So when we say that the Lord is the enjoyer and we the enjoyed, he enjoys our love and we enjoy serving him. And that exchange is where it's all at. Mm -hmm. Like the mother enjoys serving the child. She loves the child. And the child enjoys serving the mother. So it's a, it's a mutual relationship. 
Mm. Mm. So it's nothing bad here. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to shy away from. This is the thing we should gravitate toward, you know. It's like the child trying to run away from the mother because, oh, well, you know, I'm afraid that she's going to exploit me. She's going to love me in an exploitative way. <laughs> and I don't want that. Well, it could happen in perverted material relationships. But in the pure motherly love toward the child, that's not even in her consciousness. And the child is receiving that love and enjoying that and giving back. Loves the mother. Mm. And everybody's experiencing the, the satisfaction and happiness that love. In the material world, it's, it's temporary. It's not full. You know, there's, there's, it's not enough. But that's the idea. You know, that's the way we can see, well, yeah, I can relate to that a little bit. You know, so anyway, when when the soul, you, me, we, decide I don't want to be in that position of servant, I want to be the enjoyer. I want to be the master and the Lord. Then I come into the material world with this consciousness. I'm the enjoyer. You see, so this is called false ego. We've talked about this maybe before. False ego, where it's the false eye. I, ego means eye. So it's the false eye. It's not really the pure eye. It's my false conception of myself. Yeah. I am the enjoyer. That's not true, but I see it as true. This is my experience. So then looking through that, with that vision, I see Everything is for my enjoyment, yeah. and therefore I want to get whatever I can to satisfy me. But now I'm relating myself as being the material body. Yeah. I'm using my senses. I see their purpose is to bring enjoyment to me, meaning my body, my mind. And so then I fall into this whole trap of contemplation and attachment and so on. Yeah, so really what lust is, is a perverted reflection of love. And that's why it's so strong, because the strongest force of all forces is love. And therefore, the strongest force in the material world is the perversion of that, which is lust. It doesn't lose any power it just you loses purity. Yeah. I, so now, what is my greatest asset and, and friend becomes my greatest enemy. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like I, there's a comparison that love and lust are, you, you, could, you could see in the body. It's, it's like you have the energy flowing through the body and you have lust as like the downward force going or love is let's start with that love is the upward force the uplifting the lightning the light of heart the upward force and lust is then the reflection of that the upside down it's the same force but it's going downward instead so lust is when it's going down and love it's when it's going up and yeah i heard it explained as well you know you can talk about the chakras in this way that 
the yoga system then the hatha yoga and ashtanga yoga system is meant for lifting this downward <laughs> energy through the chakras upward yeah right mm -hmm. yeah the, the a little bit of a, a problem with those systems is they don't include the supreme person yeah so therefore it's just mechanical up and down and you know certain chakras open and you feel you know different sensations than you do if you're down at the root chakra and you're consumed by sex desire etc but it doesn't include the real source of love anyway that's another subject <laughs> yeah but but, could, uh, but but there's a quote actually and i was just going to get to that point uh, because it, our point coming back to our point was then the process by which to get free from from that or that process of contemplating the objects of the senses getting attached to them getting lustful getting angry and uh, and one one way that is very popular is thinking that you just shouldn't contemplate any objects you should just withdraw yourself and you know void out like just don't get attached to anything anyone just step back and you know when but then it says in the Srimad Bhagavatam 1635 that it is true that by practicing restraint of the senses by the yoga system one can get relief from the disturbances of desire and lust but this is not sufficient to give satisfaction to the soul Yes, right, exactly. <clears throat> all the answers are in the scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, it's yeah. all there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but the point a, we don't want to overlook is that lust is just love in its perverted form. Right, right, exactly. So that's why it's so powerful and that's why it's all-consuming. So... The lust in its perverted form can be purified into love. It can be transformed into love, which is the all-nourishing, all-necessity you know, necessity of life, really. See? So what is our greatest enemy when it's purified and come back to its original state is our greatest friend, and, and, and that's the process. And, and we don't have to focus so much on getting rid of the lust, just like we don't have to focus on getting rid of the darkness. You just turn the light bulb, <laughs> you just turn the light on. And because it, yes. it's the same force, you can't have it at the same time. So so if I'm feeling like yeah. I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm, you know, I'm seeing those symptoms in myself, well, bring in love, the true spiritual love into your life. And then the yeah. lust will have no... I mean, it will be turned into love. Yeah, it's, it's got no place got no to place. be. Like you say, we turn on the light and darkness cannot stand against it. Yeah. Darkness is automatically driven out by the presence of the light. See? And that's, ex that's a perfect example. You know, the sun comes up in the morning and the darkness of night goes away. Every day. But when the sun goes down, the darkness immediately returns. So it's been said there's no such thing as darkness, really. It's just the absence of light. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's that's the key. That's the, if if we know, you know, the science behind it, then we have the ability to solve the whole thing. And the yoga system, the bhakti yoga system, is the system designed by the Supreme Lord to make it a reality other than just a wishful thought. Yeah, let, let, let me introduce the idea of making it reality with another quote from Srimad Bhagavatam. Then we can really get to the essence of this, <laughs> hopefully, because uh, this, this is just, again, so clear. This is Srimad Bhagavatam 1, 2, 19. At the time, loving service is established in the heart. The modes of passion, rajas, and ignorance, tamas, and lust and desire, kama, disappear from the heart. Then the devotee is established in goodness, and he becomes happy. Yeah. So. Devotional service. So let's, let's back up just a, a, a moment to what you read before from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm -hmm. That, you know, in the, these Hatha or Stanga systems, one may conclude that I have to stop contemplating. Right. Wait, but it's yeah. not enough to satisfy the soul. So the great mystics and so on that have, you know, been able to achieve this to some degree, you know, they may feel relief or negation of the negative, but there's no positive happiness there. And and the facilities that we have eternally to think, feel, and will are not being properly utilized. So in the bhakti system, there's still contemplation, but now we're contemplating the Lord, devotional service to the Lord. See, that is pure. That is the contemplation that brings about love. I become attached to the idea of serving the Lord, of being his loving servant, of pleasing him, of being pleasing to him. You see, I'm still contemplating. I get attached to that whole concept. You know, I want to be pleasing to the Lord. I want to use all facilities I have in his service. See, and from that attachment comes love. So it was contemplation, attachment, <laughs> lust. Now it's contemplation, attachment, love. <laughs> and from love, there is no anger. It doesn't keep going into anger, see? It comes into jubilation. It comes into what is called ananda, or spiritual happiness, spiritual bliss. Now this bewilderment of memory doesn't exist. I've driven out this darkness of bewilderment, and now I'm just standing in the light of truth and seeing everything perfectly. And... There's no loss of memory. It's all been restored. Now I remember who I am. Yeah. I'm spirit soul. I'm eternalist, the servant of the supreme soul. Yeah. You know, my spiritual master just asked one of his disciples, you know, just a very pointed question. Who are you? And, of course, she understood <laughs> the truth, and she said, I am spirit soul. I am the servant of the Lord. See? 
And yeah, he said, yes, that's right. You know? So if someone is in knowledge, their response is, yes, I'm the eternal servant of the supreme soul. And that's the evolution. And now lust is driven out by turning on the light of love. Yeah. See, where is lust going to reside? It has no place. You, loving service is established in the heart, and the modes of passion and ignorance and lust and desire disappear from the heart. They yes. just disappear. The heart is cleansed. And we need a process that cleanses the heart. So, Lord Gorungas, you know, <laughs> it's all there. It's also perfectly there. Lord Goranga, Lord Chaitanya, you know, the latest incarnation of the Supreme Lord, came to give us the solution here. Kali Yuga, which we live in now, we've talked about it, you know, referred to it again and again. You could say it's the age of quarrel, chaos, and confusion. You could also say it's the age of lust in the highest form, you know, the most predominant presence of lust of all the ages, see? And so that's why Kali Yuga is so angry. You know, it's an angry time because lust leads to anger. So you just read the heart needs to be cleansed, to be purified, right? It mm. drives lust from the heart. What did Lord Chaitanya say? All glories to the hearing and chanting of God's names, called Sri Krishna Sankirtan congregational chanting, individual chanting, but even better congregational chanting, all glories to the Sri Krishna Sankratan, which cleanses the heart of all the dust accumulated for years together, lifetimes and lifetimes of contamination, the dust, the karma, the unwanted desires, you know, all of this. The, the chanting of the Lord's names cleanses the heart of all of this, you know, and extinguishes the, extinguishes the fire of conditional life. What is that con fire of conditional life? Lust. That's what it is. Lust burns like fire. That is the fire of conditional life. See, it extinguishes that. So this is the solution, you know. It extinguishes the fire, it cleanses the heart. The pure heart, remember, it's already there. Lust is not something we get, um, excuse me, lust is not something we get from the outside. It's in there. That's one of the quotes in the scripture too. See, it's not something we gain from the outside. It's already there. All we have to do is purify the heart, and there it is. It was there all the time. Mm. But it's covered up, mm. you know. And therefore, we began to experience what we're already looking for everywhere, lifetime after lifetime, and that's satisfaction and happiness. You see? Yeah. We're always looking for love. You're never going to quit looking for love. You cannot because it's our essence. You see? But it's misplaced, it's misdirected. I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. There's a country and western song. You know, you may have heard it or may not. You're not a country western guy so much. <laughs> no, I, I haven't heard about that. 
yeah. But anyway, it was popular oh, quite a few years ago now. But anyway, the idea was looking for love in all the long places, looking for love in too many faces, another broken heart looking for love, you know. And the setting was he goes to the bars, he goes to all these places looking for love, you know, in all the wrong places. Yeah. But in the song, it didn't tell where to look for it, where was the right place, you know. <laughs> so we are all looking for love, but in the wrong place, because the only place is in the Lord, loving the Lord, serving the Lord, you know, pleasing the Lord by, you know, doing what he asked us to do to become happy and satisfied. And Lord Chaitanya gave us the perfect answer. All glories to the Sri Krishna Sankirtan, which cleanses the heart of all the dust accumulated for years together and extinguishes the fire of conditional life of repeated birth and death. Lust keeps us on the wheel of birth and death. It extinguishes that fire. You get off the wheel of birth and death. It's, it's a perfect formula for a perfect life. And I... <laughs> I, I found the quote that you referred to I, I, uh, in, in Shaitanya Charitamrita, Madhya Lila 22.107. It says, pure love for the Supreme is eternally established in the heart of the living beings. It is not something to be gained from another source. When the heart is purified by hearing and chanting, the living entity naturally awakens. And <laughs> I just naturally awakens. We become awake. We become, we see things. We turn on the light. By hearing and chanting, the heart is purified. Yeah. 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 So, that's it, friends. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> there is no other way. That's also another quote. You know, you can try this way and that way to have a better life, to overcome all this lust and overcome your anger. You can go to anger management courses, you know, whatever you want to do, but that's not the solution. It might help. It might be a Band-Aid treatment, you know, for a short while. But it's not the solution. You know, there's only one solution. Come back to our original nature, which is the solution to life. Can you imagine if the world was not so fueled by lust but by love? Would there be a war between Russia and Ukraine? Would there be all this conflict in the homes? Would there be all this political turmoil that's turning the world upside down? Would there be any of this stuff and all the kinds of other things that I haven't even referred to? Child molestation and, you know, all the dark, dark, dark stuff that's going down, down, down. It wouldn't exist. It would not exist. That's the spiritual world. What is the difference between the material world and the, and the spiritual world? In the truest essence of the difference, lust and love. The material world is the world of lust. The spiritual world is the world of love. There's no anger there. There's no violence. There's no any of this stuff that's so dominant here. It's not there. It doesn't exist. There's no darkness in the lighted room. There's no darkness in the day when the sun is shining bright overhead. It doesn't have a possibility 
to be there. Hmm. Yeah. And if you want to enter the spiritual world, enter the world of love. How do you get there? We just were told by Lord Chaitanya. You just read it from Chaitanya Charitamrita. Read it again. Pure love for the Supreme is eternally established in the heart of the living beings. It is not something to be gained from another source. When the heart is purified by hearing and chanting, the living entity naturally awakens. There you go. Eternally established in the heart of the living entity, the living being. That's... (laughs) There's nothing else to say. No one. I'm going to get love from someone else, or no, it's there, you know. So the spiritual master comes and he tells us these truths. Where did we learn all these things? I didn't learn it from any other source. I learned it from my spiritual masters, and from the scriptures which the spiritual masters guided me to. Not just any scripture. These specific scriptures that gives us the highest truth, the highest understanding, you know? It's like you read all these other systems, you know, of, you know, being so in control of not only my body but my mind that I, I basically am not contemplating. You know, I've reached some high level of renunciation. But it's not enough to satisfy the soul because love is the only thing that satisfies the soul. And that's not included in those other systems. Yeah, yeah. You know? So they're, they're, they're incomplete. They have their purpose. Some people are attracted to that. That's what they want to do. They can do it. And they gain a lot of ability to control their bodies, their minds. See, And then if those people meet a true representative of love, true representative of the Supreme Lord, all those abilities that they've acquired, if they apply them to the bhakti yoga system, will be an asset. Yes. Yeah. Then they're not struggling with all the things that many of us have to struggle with. They've already... Cross those bridges. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just, just. just but if like, they use that as a as a, a an illusion that I'm already at the highest point, then that can be a negative. Just like you see, just like presence in the now and mindfulness, and that's exactly what you're referring to. Yeah, that you can use that for yeah. the purpose of serving. You, you know, yeah. you can redirect your mind into that positive activity. Yeah. Yeah. All these things that will elevate one, you know, when applied to this concept of, you know, serving the Lord and keeping the mind focused on the Lord and using my time, that's all an asset. It's all an asset. See, it's tools that we have. And if properly guided and directed by the true spiritual master, yeah, wonderful. And there's many examples of this, you know, it's not like unknown. So, yeah, I think we've, we never got to what we were going to read. Maybe we can read it, uh, uh, you know, maybe even next time. This is such a big subject. It's not like a one, you know, time event. I mean, this is such a big and important topic, lust and love. I mean, what's bigger than that? 
That's true. That's true. I mean, well, what are all? Nothing all, bigger than that. Um, yeah. All, so you know, maybe next time we can read from gems of wisdom, and then you know that's uh, that's so perfectly presented as well. Yeah. yeah. You know. I mean, you can't hear enough about this. Even if we just had this exact same conversation again, <laughs> it wouldn't be something oh, I already heard that. You know, we haven't heard it till we've taken it to our heart, applied it, and seen the fruit. I was just gonna say that it doesn't hearing doesn't mean that it just <laughs> enters your ear and stays in your mind or something. But but if well if if I heard you say something, but I do something completely different, then or I don't even act on it, then. You know, then obviously I haven't really heard the instruction. <laughs> yeah. Hearing means <laughs> applying. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's chant the holy names. Yeah, let's do that. You know, that was the solution, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I hope our audience, when we have our sankirtan, actually joins us. I hope they do. Yeah. You know, at home, wherever you are, I hope you, you know, just sit down comfortably and join in. Don't worry about your voice. Don't worry about what other people think. Just. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Yeah. Chant along. And our mantra Goranga Hari Bo.